Welcome, Wildcats, to Weber State Weekly, a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, a man whose greatest halftime adjustment was switching from fully leaded to non-alcoholic beer, Colby Peterson. On the pod today, we have a man who seven years ago switched careers from construction to sales, Dustin Chapman. Who does that? Like, I've never heard anybody do that, and it's worked out well for me. Only one man, and it's Dustin Chapman. Next, we have a man who got laid off at 26 years old and decided, hey, why not join the military? AC. Uncle Sam came a calling. I heard it. Let's go. Answer the call. And finally, we have a man who, after having a clean shaven face for the first 23 years of his life, finally decided to become a man and grow a beard. John King. It's cold out there in Utah. You know, had to had to protect my face a little bit. Yes, sir. So on today's show, we're, uh, we're, we have a player interview for you folks. So we're doing a football interview with senior linebacker and team captain Connor Mortensen. We're going to talk a little bit about his journey to Weber State. Uh, the past couple of games where he has really stood out as a, as a force on the defense and uh, talk a little bit about um, what we can expect maybe coming in the future. Also, we're going to be talking a little bit about the men's basketball game in the Big Sky Tournament. Um, unfortunately, the Wildcats fell to the hated Montana Grizz, and we're going to talk about it. And finally, we're playing a game called Odds Makers. We're going to give our panel uh, some situations, and they're going to give us their odds on how likely that thing is to happen. But first, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. We also are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game day. And we've got a great website. We've got a blog. Go to WeberStateWeekly.com. Plenty of good content up there. Talking about softball. Got some football stuff up there. Of course, now that the season is over, there's a probably have a recap of basketball coming up soon, but lots of good things to be had on WeberStateWeekly.com. Oh, and of course, I can't forget, we've got a lot of great volleyball stuff there too. Those ladies are really rolling right now. And finally, I also want to give a shout out to our sponsor, WildcatRack.com. If you're in the market for quality licensed Weber State apparel, WildcatRack.com is your place. You can go there and purchase gear that is made right here in Weber County by people who love the Wildcats just as much as you. So check out WildcatRack.com or follow them on social media on Facebook or Instagram. All right, Wildcat fans, we are excited now to bring you a conversation with uh, linebacker and senior uh, Connor Mortensen, who is a captain on that side of the ball. We're excited. And also, we should mention reigning Big Sky Player of the Week on the defensive side. So, Connor Mortensen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to be here. Excited to talk. Yeah, like I said, we're excited to talk to you. You've been a staple for this program, a long tradition of, of great linebackers and you're just a, another one of those and so we're going to talk a little bit about your story about your journey to Weber State of course and uh, also you know becoming the captain and um, now reigning Big Sky Player of the Week and uh, all of that so Connor let's let's start there um, originally from uh, the Moapa Valley in Nevada which is kind of between Las Vegas and Mesquite uh, how did Weber State get on your radar? So um, yeah interesting story so I was actually on my mission in the Dominican Republic. And honestly, the only school that scouted me before that was a couple schools in like Northern Montana, low key schools. Um, but yeah, I was, had a couple visits at SUU. So SUU is actually one of the main focuses. Hadn't really heard a ton from or about Weaver State, but one of my mission plan was to come back, walk on at SUU. And I had a friend that went to high school at Moapa as well, who committed to Weber to play quarterback. And he was emailing me on my mission, like telling me about Weber and how they were treating him super good, blah, blah, blah. And um, just like telling me to reach out to the coach. And I was just kind of like, didn't really think much about it. I had my heart pretty much set on SUU. And he sent me one of the old linebacker coaches emails while I was out. and he had actually sent him some of my film and he's like, yeah, he said, just reach out to him and they'll be able to probably get a spot for you as a walk on. So I just kind of thought, what the heck, like I'll reach out to him, reached out to him while I was still on my mission. And he said that, uh, yeah, when I got back, I could potentially walk on. So get back from the mission plan still to go to SUU. And I get an email from, I don't know who it was on SUU staff, but they had recently had like a ton of coaching changes. And this was, I think, end of 2015. And so I get an email and they say, 
like due to these coaching changes, we're not going to be taking any walk-ons. And so that was kind of a big deal. I was like, Oh crap. Like that's my plan. And then, um, luckily, you know, by the grace of God, I had that option to come here to Weaver. And so was still in contact with that linebacker coach here. So hit him up and the option to come walk on was still available. So to Ogden, it was kind of a big change in plans, but it's definitely been for the better. So that's, that's how I ended up at Weaver. Nice. And so, like you said, um, that ended up working out. We're always glad to get guys like you and stealing from the birds. That makes us very happy here. Uh, and so, you know, walked on had the opportunity, you know, to play in 2016, uh, 2017, a redshirt freshman season for you. And then, you know, and then part of that 2017 team that plays against James Madison in the quarterfinals. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that experience, because at the time that was a high watermark for the program, you know, so walk us through that season, you know, and kind of being a part of that game. What was it like? Yeah. So that 2017 season, I can't really speak much to the JMU game because I tore my MCL in the Portland State game before before that playoff run that we went up to JMU. But um, I guess what I can speak to is just the come up that we had had coming, especially from the 2016 to the 2017 season, the jump from just barely making the playoffs to going all the way to those quarterfinals against JMU. just the leaps and bounds that were made in that short amount of time were, you know, crazy and being a part of the team. And I guess feeling the the culture shift in that time of like, Oh, like hoping we'll make the playoffs. And then at that point it was like, yeah, like we belong in this setting and the expectation is to continually get back, you know, to these quarter semifinals. And obviously the, the national championship is the, a goal ultimately. So I'll build on that. What, what was the culture shift? I mean, was it a, was it just a mindset in everybody in the program? Was it something that was talked about? What, what, what precipitated the, the actual culture shift? Um, I think, I mean, it, it was hard for me, I guess, cause I got here that first. So that 20, yeah, it was that 26 seat. 16 season that I think we went like seven and five made the playoffs for the first time in a while went to Chattanooga and before then that was when things were pretty rough I don't think they'd had a winning season in a while and I think we at that point we talk or Coach Hill talks a lot about um, think believe expect kind of those steps of um, like getting to that that mindset of winning and I think looking back on it now and thinking about those steps at that point, we were probably in that like think stage whenever we were like seven and five and just made it to the playoffs. And then we were in that believe stage, I guess that next season. And I think what made us able to really make that jump probably was just being held accountable by the coaches and having the the expectation, like be greatness. And the expert everyone has, I feel like everyone as a player on the team has the individual expectation to like do their job the best they can. Like the option of being mediocre isn't really an option for a lot of the guys on the team, which I think is something that made that jump possible. That makes sense. It does. All right, Connor. So I, I, I want to take a look a little bit after that JMU game. Right. Going forward throughout the rest of your career, your career just fascinates me here at Weber State. Right. You you start out as a walk on. And then, yeah. I mean, you, you kind of just kept progressing. You kept taking these steps that have kind of culminated in this season and in this, this last week. Right. You go from walk on. Then you're a starter. And in the 2019 season, you're the leading tackler on the team. In this season, you're the captain of the team. And now you're Big Sky Player of the Week. So take us behind the curtains a little bit. What's the secret to your development? How do you go from walk on? to leading tackler, to captain, to big sky defensive player of the week? What's the secret? Uh, wow, that's a big one. <laughs> um, well, I mean, uh, I guess going back to high school, I'm going to try and keep this compact because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a lot, but 
Um, I mean, it was around like my junior year of high school where I realized that there was like possibly the potential to go on and play in college and, you know, earn a scholarship and get school paid for. But I didn't really take the opportunity to, or I didn't understand the importance of like camps and getting that exposure, I guess. Um, like going to a setting where coaches can see you. So didn't really get a lot of that. So I think that that made getting recruited kind of hard, but I always like idolize just like the grind and like the hard workers and, and just like those movies where there's like the, the guy that just like puts in the work and is the underdog and all that. And ends up making it um, always love that kind of stuff. So the goal, not getting a lot of offers out of high school was, you know, wherever I go, I'd, I'd rather walk on somewhere moderately big than, you know, take a scholarship somewhere smaller. I'd rather go as big as I could. So um, got back, like I said, from my mission, came up here with that intention. And I actually came up here initially as a tailback. I was a tailback all the way through high school and love that. I uh, came up here and struggled uh, big time at running back and just like with ball security, kind of getting back into that mentality of uh, football after being away for two years and actually got cut that spring, that first 2016 spring, got cut as a tailback and was told that I could come back at the beginning of fall and, you know, just kind of contribute on practice squad and stuff like that. And just thought like, cool. Knew I didn't play super well in the spring, was kind of expecting that. But um, yeah, took the chance and worked out with the team all through the fall. And before that fall camp was about to start in 2016, I got a call from Coach Hunsaker, who then was the linebacker coach. And yeah, he was just like, okay, like we don't have a spot for you at running back, but do you want to come to fall camp as a linebacker? We can do that. And was kind of hesitant at first, honestly, because I'd never really been a huge fan of defense um, ever since high school. But, um, yeah, did that, came on, and was just trying to learn everything as quick as I could. And Landon Stice, LeGrand Toia, those guys were the, the dudes then, and they were just absolute studs, like freaks. And so it was really good to learn from them. But ultimately behind all that was just the desire to kind of prove myself and just that chip on my shoulder that I always felt like, um, I don't know. I just always felt like I had something to prove coming from a small town, um, wanting to rep for the small town, wanting to, to be one of the guys that kind of made it to the next level. And yeah, a big part of it was just proving to myself that I could do it coming from a small town, kind of being behind the curve with a lot of things. So the one thing I just prioritized was always going as hard as I could in lifts, runs, um, drills and practice, just trying to be, I guess, scrappy. I've never, I've never been, probably never will be like the most gifted or like super talented guy, but, you know, I always just tried to, yeah, just be aggressive, physical, scrappy, and it's paid off. And, um, yeah, I guess secret is just, I don't know, doing more than just the, the expected or the necessary. I feel like I would never have been able to get by doing that just because, like I said, I've, I've never been that gifted athlete. So. There are no, uh, no, no, uh, traffic jams on the extra mile, right? No, no, not at all. Yeah. Most of the time it's a pretty empty road. Yeah. John King, what about you? You got a question for Connor? So I got two questions for you, Connor. Uh, the first question is, so you've mentioned your mission trip a couple of times. Um, I am actually not a member of the LDS church, but this is something I've always been kind of curious about. Um, how do you stay in shape? How do you train? And, you know, it says in your bio that you went, you know, to the Dominican Republic, Republic. I mean, obviously 
coming back to the States and playing football was always in your plan, but how did you manage that while you were on your mission trip um, uh, to the DR? Yeah, that's a super good question. Um, it's super different depending on where you go. Cause you can go to places like here stateside where you can go to gym, you can go to like an EOS or like a Vasa or go to like some turf field and run and do that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, in the DR, it was mostly just like, we could get up and go run in the mornings. They have like cement block dumbbells and like bench press stuff. It's just like, and a lot of guys can, can relate to that kind of stuff. I think it's pretty common in like South American or Central American countries, but, um, and they had like little, like they, they love to lift weights down in the Dominican Republic. Like they're, they got gyms all over the place. And so mostly it was just, you know, weightlifting, um, cardio, just jogging in the mornings, a lot of jump rope. And so it wasn't, I wasn't able to do a ton of skill specific stuff, but just, um, yeah, like lifting weights as much as I could and trying to stay in shape cardio wise. So there, there, there's opportunities and ways to stay in shape. Yeah, we actually got a story um, over the weekend about Jared Sheese about a similar thing that, you know, cement blocks and bench presses and squats yeah. and that kind of stuff on a mission. Mm-hmm. So, um, Connor, I want to I want to I want to fast forward now to the last couple of, uh, of of games. You know, they've been kind of disjointed a little bit because of the nature of covid and it's been very difficult. Um, the game against ISU, you know, went off luckily and then boom, cancellation with Cal Poly game rescheduled to April 17th. And then finally we get Davis coming to town and now a scheduled bye. So yeah. I wanted to ask you guys, how are you kind of dealing with this start and stop season and how do you kind of keep sharp and, uh, and ready for the game once it finally comes back? Because it's got to, it's got to be difficult. Yeah. The it's kind of like bittersweet because obviously a bye is good for the body. And after not playing for so long, especially after the Idaho state game, at least for me, I felt it and just like that soreness and from hitting full speed again for the first time in a while. So in that sense, it's, it's kind of nice to get the body back, but as far as like getting a rhythm, especially for an offense, I think it's probably even a little bit more difficult. Um, The way I feel like we tried to compensate for it last week was just, I mean, we practiced that bye week and just have been trying to to practice hard still and get in some good heavy practices while still kind of taking time to to get the body back and enjoy the bye so yeah it's hard because you're not getting those those live game reps that are super valuable when it comes to to the offense finding the rhythm in us as a defense also you know getting a feel for each other and things like that so really just trying to take advantage of the practices we have and and get that feel as much as we can um i wanted to ask you about last weekend because uh it it was like you said a little bit difficult the offense did sputter quite a bit in that first half it was a a bit of a challenge because like you said they had not played the week before and they'd only played one game before that and so there was a lot of leaning on the defense to keep the wildcats in the game uh you came along with a number of others, uh, answered the call. The defense did a great job. And so for yourself, nine solo tackles, two assisted, 11 total, 3.5 of those were tackles for loss. Um, talk about your mentality uh, on the field when you know that, you know, well, things are kind of not going well on the offensive side of the ball and you guys have got to kind of hold the line until they can get going again, which they did. They came out in the third quarter. Uh, King Jayhill was the king of second half adjustments. And so, you know, they came out with a hurry up, but you guys really kind of kept the Wildcats in the game. And so talk to us about that situation, being in the, on the field when things are not necessarily going well offensively. Yeah. Um, honestly, I feel like we kind of take pride in it. And whenever the offense is uh, sputtering or struggling, or whatever it is, like we take pride in and feeling like we need to step up and, you know, do our part. If, if the offense is going to sputter, then we got to do better. And if it's the same vice versa, if, if we sputter, then the offense is going to, you know, step up and have our back. So I guess um, the mentality when, when that happens is, you know, we got to just have our teammates back and, you know, Bronson and I actually like whenever we we've noticed that 
that kind of happened, even at the Idaho State game when they started a little bit slow. Like we always tell each other, like, you know, we got each other's backs. If you guys aren't scoring, we're going to hold them. If they're scoring on us, they're going to score more points to compensate. And, um, you know, my mentality in the game, I guess, is just I try to keep it as simple as I can as far as reads and keys. So, you know, the, the more simple it is, the faster I feel like I can play. I feel like that's how it was for everybody. Everybody was flying around out there. So, Connor, I got a question about UC Davis specifically for you as a, as a linebacker. They've got a super balanced offense. You, you say that they were running a lot of outside zone against, against your defense. What's your role specifically in stopping their offense and stopping that outside zone? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so for us as linebackers, we do a lot of man. And so whenever we run that man, it's usually – uh, me and the Mac or the strong side backer, which in this game was Sherwin Lavaca and BJ. Um, so they do a lot of releasing the back, like swing screens or like T wheels out of the backfield. And those wide zones with the backs, just he's getting out to the perimeter really quick. So mostly what we were focused on was just making sure we didn't lose eyes on him. We didn't let him release out of the backfield without having a man on him. And just scraping over top, making sure whenever they were running those outside zones um, that we were, you know, tracking them, running them down. And that was honestly one of the big, probably the biggest focus for us as linebackers was just keeping an eye on those backs and making sure they weren't running free or, you know, going out on those swing passes or those wheels without us being on them. Yeah. Well, you guys did a great job, like I said. Um, really took care of a you know fairly productive Davis offense. Um, shut them down, only only able to score 13 points and get the win. So, want to want to point to the next game, which will be like we noted uh, in a couple of weeks. Got another bye week coming up now. It'll be March 27th, one o'clock at Stewart Stadium. You folks are going to be taking on the Northern Arizona Lumberjacks. So we'll look forward to that. Uh, they've got quite a wide receiving core, but like we've talked yeah. about here, we've got quite a secondary. So we'll be looking forward to that game. Connor Mortensen, really want to thank you again. Uh, appreciate you for taking the time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Yeah, thank you guys for all you do. This is awesome. Appreciate it. Hey, Wildcat fans. This episode of Weber State Weekly is sponsored by Wildcat Rack. If you're looking for one-of-a-kind, officially licensed Weber State apparel, Wildcat Rack is the place. All the designs and apparel are made right here in Weber County by people who know and love the purple and white. Check out the latest designs by going to their website, wildcatrack.com, and be sure to follow them on Facebook and Instagram for new designs and sneak peeks as they become available. Now, back for more Weber State Weekly. All right, we want to thank Connor Mortensen for taking a little bit of time to chat with us here on Weber State Weekly. Uh, always appreciate having the players on. But now, guys, uh, it is our duty to break down what happened up in Boise this last weekend. Um, let's talk about this Big Sky Tournament game for the men's basketball team against the Montana Grizz. Um, I think we knew that this one was going to be tough. We know that uh, Montana is always Weber State's kryptonite. And so I just wanted to start this one off by getting your kind of initial thoughts on how things ended. And now that we've had a little bit of time to process this loss and think through it a little bit, uh, who would like to go first and share their thoughts? I'll take it. Um, you know, <laughs> my man, team player. It, 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 it was a really frustrating way, you know, to end the season. I think, you know, all of the Wildcat fans really had a lot of high hopes, you know, going into the tournament. I mean, um, a really, really, really good regular season. I mean, you know, close the season, especially strong, winning our last six games. Um, you know, so you're going into the tournament and you're thinking, look, we're gonna we're gonna be here at the end of the day. Like we are one of the favorites. You know, we have, in my opinion, the best player in the conference, Isaiah Brown, who had a fantastic year. Didn't have his best game against Montana, but you know. Anytime you go into one of these tournament situations and you have one of the better guards in the league, you know, you've got a chance. And, you know, to go into that game and, you know, have the start to the second half that we did, you know, getting down 15 um, uh, and having to claw all the way back. I mean, at the end of the day, it was just too much. Um, but, you know, you go into the this tournament and I had very, very high expectations. And, you know, unfortunately, Things just didn't break um, uh, that way um, for, for for the team, but you know, that's just that's basketball sometimes. So you know, it's just unfortunate that it happened in the biggest game of the season. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, like you said, um, 
difficult to come back in that hole, especially the way that the second half started um, and the way that the Grizz were shooting the ball. Um, in my view, looking at the box score, one of the biggest challenges is the fact that, you know, they shot 42%, almost 43% from three. Wildcats, one of the, you know, Joe Cravens mentioned this a number of times in the broadcast that the Wildcats were one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country and only able to muster 30.4% from three in the game. And to me, that's the difference here because you only lose by five. And once the threes started falling, you know, close to maybe the three-minute mark left in the second half, the game started to really change, right? But um, in my view, that's kind of, that's the difference here. That game was tough. I don't think yeah. there's any getting around it. I mean, it was it was tough. And I can promise you all, that the players are taking this harder than any of the fans. And I mean, I think the fan base has taken it really hard. <laughs> I think the fan base has taken it really hard and the players are taking it even harder than the fan base. So I, I can promise you all that right now. This game was tough because it was Montana. I think that people, it's never going to feel good losing in the, in the conference tournament. Had you lost in the quarterfinals to Eastern Washington or Montana State or pretty much anyone else, I think the entire vibe of the program, the entire vibe of the season changes. But the fact that it was Montana, I think, is it, it makes it that much more difficult to handle for people. Um, this game individually, when you look at the first half, I was feeling pretty good heading into the second half. It was tied at 34 at halftime. And you're looking at it and you're like, well, I mean, it's only a matter of time before Weber State starts hitting threes. Mm -hmm. It's only a matter of time before IB kicks in and he takes off into the next gear and and we just blow these guys out. So at halftime, I was feeling pretty good. I'm I'm going to disagree with Chappie when he says that we slept walk through the whole thing. We didn't play our best ball in the first half, but we were in a position where we easily could have won it going into the second half. In the second half, Weber State didn't do enough to 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 keep themselves in a position to win right there were easy layups the interior paint protection was lacking the team wasn't making shots and ib didn't kick it into the second gear that we anticipated so i mean for like the first 15 16 minutes of the second half that was just it was demoralizing to to the team to the fan base and it it really sucked and then at the end you had those head scratching decisions by the officiating and then when Media tried to ask questions to follow up and get explanations, clarifications. It wasn't allowed. And so it's it's just, I mean, a whole sequence of events there at the end of the night that they really put a frustrating and sour note on what otherwise was an incredibly fun season to watch with a lot of fun players. But this game against Montana, a tough yeah. one to swallow. You can't lose to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you don't want to, right? You just can't. Unless it's like, look, I mean, after all the history we've had there for going back literally decades, but, you know, even going back to last 10 years, you, just, you can't lose to Montana in the tournament, right? And, 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 and AC, you're right. I mean, they, did, they were serviceable in the first half, but the, that one stretch where they went, you know, six-plus minutes without a field goal, I mean, that, that, was, the, that was the death knell right there. You, you can't do that. Um, I'll add one more thing here, Colby. I, the thi- I don't know. The thing that breaks my heart, I guess, about all is it was this was one of the funnest. This was the funnest basketball season I've had in in recent memory. Um, the thing that kills me is that all of our best players we haven't they haven't made the tournament. Like we never got to see Dame in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> we never got to see Jarek in the NCAA tournament. We never got to see Isaiah Brown, even though he's only here a year. That dude was money. That guy is money, and I wish he was here for all four years. We never got to see what that guy could do in the NCAA tournament. And um, that's the thing that maybe frustrates me or breaks my heart the most about it is that we're getting these guys that are coming through and and killing it, and and we don't necessarily get to see them on the biggest stage. Yeah. I want to point out a couple of things because, like we we noted, uh, like AC said, tie game at the half – you know, look definitely in a position to, you know, potentially take over because the Wildcats hadn't necessarily played their best ball. Um, You know, in the first half, you know, they did shoot 50% from the field, which was nice. Only shot 33% from three, only two for six, 75%, six of eight from the free throw line. So, you know, those are respectable numbers aside from the three, you know, you'd like to see maybe one more of those, those three balls go in to shoot 50%. But overall, like it's, it's not a bad half. You know, the problem is second half, 
you're shooting five for 17 from three. That, like I said, that's the problem. Only shooting 37% from the floor. Um, and then I look at some of the other numbers. You know, we talked a lot about rebounding this year, guys. And it was, it was tied with Mont with the Grizz when it came to rebounding. 28 all. Um, did much better than the Grizz when it came to turnovers. You know, Wildcats only turned it over 12. Montana turned it over 19 times. You know, the, I think the difference here is they had 14 assists. Wildcats only had nine. You know, they had a lot of really good ball sharing, especially sharing the ball with somebody cutting in the post. Um, so really, I look at these numbers and I say, yeah, the difference here is that uh, shots didn't go in. Three, the three ball that, you know, we had, had really, you know, come to expect over the, over the season, uh, it didn't fall in this game. And uh, that's really the difference when it came down to it. Five points, you know, nine offensive rebounds to their four, uh, cleaning the glass, doing a great job. You know what I mean? 19 defensive rebounds to their 24. So, you know, a little bit of an advantage there for them. But overall, uh, I look at everything else and I say, yeah, the three is is the answer here. And unfortunately, it just wasn't falling this night. So I wanted to I wanted to kind of move this the conversation on really briefly here, guys, and uh, talk a little bit about the future. Who do you think comes back to this team? Who do you think leaves? And what do we need to get better? So you can choose one of those questions you'd like to answer. And let's just go rapid fire and uh, let's get your takes. AC, I want to start with you. What do they need to get better? They need time. I think you give this team another season, another offseason to work together, an offseason that's not COVID laden. And I think that this team is going to be something to be feared in the Big Sky Conference. Um, I Another thing that I think the team could potentially look at is another ball handler, recruiting another ball handler out of the transfer portal we've seen in the past. Cody, John, Jarek Harding together. Uh, this last season we had IB and, and Sigu that were together. And next season it kind of looks like Sigu is going to be our primary ball handler. But will Randy go out and get someone else that he can put alongside Sigu? So I think this season needs – I think that, that Weber State needs another ball handler, and I think they need an offseason to get together to, to mentally come together and figure out what they need to do to get to the next step. Yeah. Chappie, what about you? Um, last takes, you know, who do you think yeah. stays, who goes, what? What's interesting to me, and we talk about what do they need to get better. Um, what, what's going to be interesting to me is who takes the leadership mantle, right? Uh, we all heard it from preseason on that Isaiah Brown came in and he was, you know, he was the guy. And I love that. And I love that about him. Um, but who's that going to be next year? You know, is it, we have Tavian Percy coming back from an injury. Is, is he take that role on? I, th- I personally think we're going to keep a majority of these seniors. You know, I think a lot of them are going to stay. So is it, is it, it could be Dante. Is it going to be Michael Kozak? Is it going to be somebody different? To me, that's, that's a big thing is who's, who's going to be, um, who's going to be the alpha on the team. And do we even need one? I don't know because they're, they were very, very balanced this year, but even in a balanced team, you need somebody that's leading. So if I'm, if I'm looking at what they need to get better, that's the thing that interests me is who's going to, be the, the the man next year. Yeah. John King, take us home. Um, final thoughts. What, what are you going forward? So, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that this team missed, you know, throughout the year was kind of a third score. I mean, we kind of talked about that a little bit on the podcast um, throughout the year. And, um, you know, I mean, Isaiah Brown obviously was, you know, always in the mix, you know, one of the leading scorers in the conference. Um, but, you know, you look at the beginning of the season and you kind of your two leading leading scores were, um, you know, um, Cody Carlson and Isaiah Brown kind of carried the load, or, um, especially early on. And then, you know, I thought in the beginning of the season that Zachary Porter was going to be that guy who is that third scorer who, you know, can come get you, you know, 12, 13, 14 points a night. And kind of, you know, help shoulder that load a little bit. Then as the season, you know, kind of went on, you know, so here kind of faded a little bit down the stretch. Um, Cody Carlson didn't close the season, um, especially strong. And, you know, you really saw Sigu step up down the stretch and you had this two-headed backcourt monster between Sigu and Isaiah, but we really never found that third score. And so, you know, I think that that, look, you're going to lose Isaiah. We're going to lose Isaiah Brown, you know, after this season, I think we all, we all know that at this point. So finding that, you know, that consistent third, uh, you know, that consistent third option, I really think is going to be, you know, is it going to be a three headed monster next year of Carlson, Sigu and Zahir Porter? It very well possibly could be. Um, But 
having those different options, I think is going to be really, really huge for this team going, um, you know, going forward and looking forward to next year. Well, fellows, we'll watch and see kind of what happens. We'll be, you know, it was about maybe a month from now. Uh, we'll start to see, you know, transfer portal open up again and kind of see what's going to happen with this team. Guys will make their decision in the coming weeks and we'll have a better sense of what this roster looks like. Hey, Wildcat fans, if you're a small business owner looking to promote your business on Weber State Weekly, we've got some good news. We're looking for sponsors that care as much about what's going on up on campus as we do. We can plug your business on our show, in our new email newsletter, or even in our live instant reaction shows on social media. For more info, send us an email at weberstateweekly at gmail.com for pricing and more information. All right, fellas, now we are going to play a game. Uh, we are playing odds makers. So I have prepared situations for you, and you guys get to play Vegas odds makers. You get to decide what the odds you would give for this situation should it happen. And uh, we're going to kind of compare and contrast. So I'm going to start with the first one that I prepared. It's clear now that the volleyball team will be regular season Big Sky champions. That's uh, not, I don't think, in dispute. There is a tough series coming up this weekend in Ogden against Montana State. But overall, the Wildcats have built up a very, a very healthy lead in the Big Sky Conference. And it looks like they are the favorite to be the Big Sky Conference champions in the regular season. But will volleyball win the Big Sky Tournament? So my question to you, gents, what odds do you give on volleyball winning the Big Sky Tournament? AC, I want to start with you. So there is still some doubt about the regular season conference title. Montana State, if they somehow sweep Weber State in the Swenson, then Montana State will win the outright regular season title. I don't think that's going to happen. Also, there's a chance that Montana, Monta uh, excuse me, Montana State has some COVID issues right now. So right now, those two matches are up in the air. Wow. And if that's the case, Weber State wins because they're currently in first place. Yeah. All that said, I'm putting, I'm going 85%. 85% this team wins the Big Sky Conference Tournament. I think that they're playing with confidence with Moxie that maybe this school hasn't ever seen before. Um, they, they've got all the tools they need. They have the defense. They have probably the best libero in the entire conference, Michaela Sorensen. Uh, they've got, uh, a well-defined attack with lots of options. You can go left, you can go right. You can go up the middle or in the back row. Uh, you have the best setter in the conference. This team has everything that they need to win the conference tournament and to get to the NCAA tournament, 85% chance they win the big sky conference tournament. All right. Uh, yeah, the, the back row, especially for the squad has really been something this year, um, cause we knew that, you know, that they, they would have, uh, quite an advantage up front. Um, you know, we saw some, we've seen some folks step up, but man, that back row has really been something. Uh, all right, Chappie, what are your odds? Volleyball wins the big sky tournament. Yeah, we, uh, we've had coach Larson on. I love the way he talks, love what he's done with the program. Uh, they, they are, they're taking that next step this year. You know, I think they're, they're going to. They're going to win that, get that NCAA tournament bid. So I'm not very good at odds. Do I put it at a percentage or do we go like three to one? Like what's the, what are, I what put are percentage Chappie? But what's the, what's the proper term here? I'm John King, uh, help us out. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say from a point of order perspective, like, are you doing it like Vegas odds where you're like, you know, plus 150 minus 180, like something like that. Like are you going three to one, like, you know, Cause, cause, cause I was going to go plus or minus. I was, that's yeah. what I was going to hit the people with. That's, that's what I was thinking too was a plus minus on this. Yeah. So what plus, plus a million. I don't know. What, what are we? <laughs> oh, so you want to go minus if you feel that they have an advantage. <laughs> oh crap. See, talk to a guy that doesn't gamble. Man. <laughs> <sighs> How about you go, John, John King, you go, you give your odds and you'll kind of instruct chat. They're going to, they're going to win. The, the odds are good that they're going to win. How about okay. that? Okay. John King, what do you think? So normally when you see some, you know, a big favorite in, in any sort of like, you know, conference, you know, championship, all that kind of stuff, you know, odds to win the NBA title or whatever, a heavy favorite is normally going to be like a low, like, like, like a plus 150. I think that if we were looking at Weber State and how their dominance of the Big Sky Conference being 13 and one this year, I think that if you were going to get this in a, you know, I think if you were going to get this somewhere, I think you would probably get it probably around a minus 180-ish. So that's where I'm going to land at the end of the day. Um, I mean, Weber State is going to be heavy, 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 heavy favorites going in to win the conference tournament. So I think that, you know, I think minus 180 would be 
a a fair mark to set set things at. Yeah. Well, so if here, I understand if I understand it correctly, that's about a about a two to one odd, right, John King? Yes, that's what's it, 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 it's about. So if you bet a hundred, if you if you bet one hundred eighty dollars, you would win a hundred dollars. Is what that means. So, um, not you know not the best odds if you're walking into a casino and trying or a sports book and trying to win some money, but good odds if you're a fan of the Wildcats. So this is educational. I like it. This is this education hour here on Weaver State Weekly. So here's Mike. What what was the basketball team's odds of winning the Big Sky Tournament? I don't know that. Oh, I think I had that. So yeah, that that's the that's going to be my my comparison. The volleyball team's odds are better than the basketball team's odds of winning the basket winning the the Big Sky tournament. I was gonna I was was gonna say, where's the stats department at a time like this? (laughs) Get the guy in the truck. Where's the guy in the truck? Producer Dan, you gotta have this stuff. (laughs) Where's Brent Musburger when you need him, man? Oh yeah. Uh, all right, guys. So while he looks that up, I want to move on to the next one. Um, softball. I want to talk about softball and a similar situation. Uh, softball winning the Big Sky Tournament this year, which will be held in Ogden, uh, weather permitting, of course, as we were the champions last year. John King, let's start with you. Um, what do you think the odds are that softball wins the Big Sky Tournament again this year? That is a really great question. And I'm going to say, because we have so much season left, I'm going to say that you're probably, you know, you'd probably be looking somewhere about like a, like a plus 220-ish. I mean, you know, obviously Weber State's going to be, you know, always in the conversation. I mean, you know, Mary Kay has pound for pound might be the best coach, you know, at at Weber State. I think there's definitely an argument to uh, be made there and has pretty much won the Big Sky Conference in either tournament or regular season form ever since that she's been the coach. And so I think that plus 220 would be, a fair assessment for the Weber State softball team moving forward. We can also note that um, AC did find the number. It was a plus 250 for the Wildcats to win the Big Sky Tournament. Which so. was third in the Big Sky. Eastern Washington was plus 150. Southern Utah was at plus 200. So that yeah. means that if you put a $100 bet on Weber State to win the men's basketball tournament, you would have won 250. Is that how that works? Is that the math there? That is exactly how that works. All right. Work. See, I'm getting go. this. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. You guys are gonna right, see me. I'm, I'm going to Wendover, man. Let's yeah, see. so now you've got it. Give us your odds. Uh, softball wins the Big Sky Tournament at home. Yeah, uh, plus neg- uh, negative 180. Yes, that sounds right. <laughs> okay. We are the best uh, program in the conference by far in softball. Mary Kamikon is a great coach. Um, her son, by the way, used to Trevor is big into baseball and was uh, attended Weber state university and used to broadcast basketball games too. But uh, yeah, they're a good program. They're, they're going to win first NCAA win all time in, in conference history. You can't bet against those, those ladies. All right. AC, what about you? You can give some odds here for softball to take the championship. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling okay. good about it. Um, I like it. These ladies have, they're off to a better start than we've seen in seasons past. And they've had a lot of success in seasons past. They beat Montana. Um, I think that, I think that they've, they've got a really good chance. I might be, I don't know if I'm going, I don't know if I'm going negative one. I'll say, I'll say negative one, a minus one fifty. That's what we're going with. Minus one fifty. Minus one fifty for the Wildcats to win the big sky tournament. Uh, like you said, they've, they've got uh, some pretty quality wins thus far. Uh, they beat Grand Canyon, which was, uh, I think, a quality win. That was a good team over there down at the Grand Canyon. Invitation. Did beat Montana that same weekend. Um, yeah, a lot of good things going. So uh, let's, uh, let's go to the next one. Uh, so I prepared. I, I want to move on now to we've talked a little bit about this in the last segment. And so I, wanna, I want you guys to put odds on it. Men's basketball gets a big point guard out of the transfer portal you know another isaiah isaiah brown type player coming out of the portal what are the odds on a thing like that john king what do you think well i just wanted to say first and first and foremost that isaiah browns don't grow they don't grow on trees um he he is you know a completely exceptional player um definitely one of the three best players that we have had at weber state over the past you know decade and so the odds of getting someone 
his level to come in again next year, I would say are not as high as other, as other things that we've discussed so far. So if you're looking for somebody, you know, that caliber of player, I think you're probably looking at like a, you know, plus four, plus 500. Um, but I do think that a ball handler is going to come in to help, you know, to help see you out next year. So bringing, you know, a quality guard in is definitely going to be a priority. And I think that, you know, you can set those odds, you know, a little bit lower at like, you know, well, I'll say plus 200. Chappie, what about you? Uh, you know, uh, odds that we get a quality ball handler and a point guard out of the transfer portal? Is a point guard what we need? I mean, if, if Sigu's going to be the primary ball handler, don't do, don't we need a shooting guard? Don't we need a shooting guard or a, or a small forward that can score? Someone, someone to, it's someone to replace Isaiah Brown, right? Someone to fill that role. Yeah. Right? See, is, that, is that what you're going for, Colby? Yeah, because I see I, – I, I don't know about you guys. I, mean, I always felt that Sigu was a natural two. That yes, he did have ball handling skills and he could bring the ball up the floor and he had a very steady hand, didn't turn the ball over very much. But I always felt that IB was the floor general. He was the point guard. And uh, with, you know, the, uh, the odds on probably the all likelihood that he was not coming back to Weber State, you know, going to probably move on to a professional career. How do you replace that player? And with, you know, with the, the kinds of things that are in the portal or the kind of things happening this year, um, what are the odds that we go get another point guard um, of, high quality yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna say the odds are maybe better than john king is giving us credit for um or at least estimating and and i would say that's just because i think there's going to be a lot of movement due to covid this offseason there's going to be a lot of guys that have that second senior season that want to stay around and improve their draft stock so i i guess what i'm saying is i think there's going to be better there's going to be more opportunities are we going to get isaiah brown probably not you know but um is there going to be more of more, more better numbers out there of potentially kids that can come in and play? I think that's the case too. So if I were going to put a number to it, I'd say plus two fifty. Plus two fifty. Okay. AC, what about you? I'm kind of with Chappie in the fact that I don't think we need one. Okay. Um, I think that you if we did, if Weber State if Weber State ends up getting another guard, it's going to be a luxury, not out of necessity. Because I do think that Sigu is very capable of being Weber State's primary ball handler. I think that he he has that skill set. So if Weber State gets one, it'll be just because Randy wants one, not because the team actually needs one. There is a name that comes to mind. He's currently in the JUCO ranks. I don't know if I should say it because we're actually getting word that there are coaches from other teams that listen to our podcast. So there, I, I keep it on the DL then. I, I'm aware of a point guard that is tearing it up in junior college. He's scoring at a high level, and Weber State is in on him. Will Weber State get him? That's a different story. Back to the odds, I'm going – I'll agree with Chappie. I think that I think that the odds that Chappie put on it are, are about right. And um, yeah, I think that there's there's a guy out there that's a target. Does Weber State get him? That's going to be a different story. That's okay. what I'm talking about. Odds maker Chappie here. <laughs> Man, really feeling himself after really getting the system down in the same segment. One last one, real quick, guys. And uh, we don't have to have a lot of discussion here. I just want to get your numbers. Uh, we've had some conversation about the fact that football has been knocking on the door of a number one ranking this year. How unfortunately have not been able to do it. In fact, moved down this year or this week because North Dakota rightfully jumped them with their strength of schedule. Uh, but JMU continues to sit at the top. What are the odds that football takes the number one spot this year? John King, give me a number. So I think it's the hardest part about this debate is that, you know, we, and we talked about this during the beginning of the season, it's going to come down to the strength of schedule thing. And so I think that that's no disrespect, you know, to anything that's going on with the season. I still think that the Wildcats are going to go undefeated, but I don't think they're going to have that signature win that catapults them to the top of the rankings. So for that, I'm going to go a little, I'm be a little negative here. I'm going to say plus 900. Chappie, give me a number. What do you think? Yeah, so I actually think it's a really good odd. I think the odds are very good. And that is because uh, as of right now, JMU is not playing again this Saturday. The game has been delayed. They are going to go like three weeks <laughs> without playing a game if they play their next one. Uh, I'm also going to call my shot that North Dakota is going to lose to North Dakota State this weekend. 
So Ooh. we're going to wake up on Monday afternoon, wake, wake up on Monday afternoon, but we're going to be sitting there Monday afternoon with us as, as the number one team in the nation next week. <laughs> so that's my shot. I also think that um, if I remember right, Davis still has to play Eastern Washington. I think Davis is, I think Davis is the second best team in the, in the conference from what I've seen. And I think they end up in the playoffs. Um, so I think that win looks a lot better as the season goes on. So I, I say the odds are pretty good. I'm going to give us a negative 180. Okay. Wow. Very confident. AC, give me a number. What do you think? Balance in all things. I agreed with Chappie on the last one, and I'm hard disagreeing with Chappie on this one. I'm I'm even more negative on this than John King. Now, let me explain. I think that Weber State has probably the most talented team in the country, not what the rankings are. The rankings aren't based off of team talent, right? So if North Dakota State beats North Dakota this weekend, I think North Dakota State's going to leapfrog Weber State, who's on a bye week. Number four beats number one. I think that North Dakota State and number three is on a bye. North Dakota State absolutely leapfrogs Weber State in this. I don't I don't see any scenario unless you get JMU, North Dakota, North Dakota State all losing multiple games, which I don't think that's going to happen. I, just, I, I mean, John King put it at plus 900. I'm going to put it at like plus 1,200. I just don't see – and I don't think that that ranking is – I don't think that that correctly displays how good this Weber State team is. Weber State just doesn't have the strength of schedule to push them over to the top and get them to the number one spot without a lot of help and a lot of help in multiple places in multiple weeks. I just don't see it happening. As, as a fan, as a fan, I I, mean, I I want them to be number one, but I also don't because I, I think the chip on the shoulder mentality stays with them if they feel like they're getting disrespected and not, not getting the benefit of the doubt like some other schools, namely JMU, are getting. Well, fellas, with that, uh, we got some upcoming events here. A uh, little bit of a light weekend because no basketball now and uh, football is off. So Friday, March 19th, softball is playing a doubleheader down in St. George, as you probably know. The tournament that was scheduled in St. George last weekend was canceled because of snow. So the softball will be playing at Dixie at 2 p.m. Then we'll be playing again at Dixie at 4 p.m. on Friday. Saturday, softball will be playing at Dixie once again at noon. And if it happens, depending on what AC told us earlier, about the situation in Montana State's program with volleyball. If the game happens, there will be a volleyball match in the Swenson Gym at 2 p.m. That game will be on Pluto TV and WatchBigSky.com. Then Sunday, March 21st, there should be another. Hopefully, there will be another volleyball match against Montana State. That game will be that match will hopefully be at 4:30 p.m. on Pluto TV. And then I also wanted to throw this one out. It's Tuesday. We don't normally talk about Tuesday games, but softball will be ha- having their home opener against Utah State on Tuesday, March 23rd at 4 p.m. So watch for that. You have the opportunity probably to go and watch softball in person right here in Ogden. So we're going to wrap up the show like we normally do. Uh, if you have any ideas, would like to contact us, you can feel free to email us at weberstateweekly at gmail.com. Uh, we have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Twitter is the best place to follow us, especially on game day and interact with the team. And we have a blog at weberstateweekly.com. Lots of good content there. So head on over to the blog and check out all the great work that's been happening. Um, lots of probably things wrapping up the season and also more football content coming there. So weberstateweekly.com. Lots of great stuff. All right, guys, uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show like we usually do. And I'll say it, Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 (laughs) Go Wildcats. Weber State Weekly is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by Colby Peterson. It's directed and edited by Dan Martinez. 